0: You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're the show where we try to take things that might affect you as the owner or manager of a business or an enterprise Help you uh, break the thoughts of the day down into common sense ways of looking at it so that it can be, uh, I call it news you can use. So um, today I'm excited to bring a guest on who's going to help us really kind of peel the curtain on a whole new, I guess in in my term it's new, it's maybe not so new, but uh, maybe new to many, another Layer of ways to market, advertise, and promote your business. You know, I've had a number of guests on this show here who have done great jobs. What I'm getting ready to say is not meant to be disparaging by any means. They, they've they've done a really nice job of sharing some ideas. <clears throat> but on one hand, if you own a small business. You're scratching your head saying, How do I promote? How do I get my story out there? And how do, we, more importantly, how do I reach my ideal client? That's the real secret sauce in having an effective ad or marketing process. And my guest today is going to introduce us to yet another layer of this, like I said, that I believe ultimately can help optimize your spend on what you're putting out there to get your business promoted. His name is Jeff Schwartz. Jeff, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Doug, I appreciate being on here.
0: Yeah, so I, I hope I didn't divert or go in the wrong direction. Uh, if, if you would, uh, as has been a bit of a tradition here on the show, first, give us a little bit of a backstory on how you got into the world you're into now and what has inspired you to do the things you're doing.
1: Yeah, um, so I got, a, I got a bit of a different backstory as well, too. Um, unlike most people, I knew I wanted to run my own advertising agency when I was in college. So instead of just graduating college and starting to build it up on my own, um, I spent almost 10 years at CBS Television as a media buyer and planner for large national and, and local brands. Um, kind of building the skill set. I got into flipping houses and real estate, got debt free and everything. So after 10 years, I, I launched ethic advertising agency and, uh, and we just had our nine year anniversary uh, for a company and, and has been doing that ever since. But I fell in love with this when I was in college and, and just made a long-term roadmap for me to, to figure out how to get to what I'm doing today
0: well that's uh that's a great story and and thanks for sharing that and kudos to you for uh at at a very young age having that vision and and the discipline to hang with it um, a lot of my guests tell a a much more checkered story of how they got to where they are because of taking various detours along the way but that's uh that's really interesting so Let's, uh, let's kind of lean into the topic, and ultimately, folks, we are going to introduce you to the idea of geofencing. If you haven't heard that word, it, it is a meaningful element out there in the uh, marketing and ad space. Um, uh, Jeff, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what that is and how you use it in your work that, that helps differentiate your agency from all others.
1: Yeah, and geofencing is actually a term that can be used for a couple different areas, all the way from like um, HR geofencing, like um, uh, people checking in and out of their their work or security. Um, In my space, in the advertising space, we refer to geofencing as um, basically GPS targeting of of individual devices that have been at a very specific location. So let's say I am a McDonald's and I want to get target people with ads who have been to the local Burger King. So it's actually drawing a digital fence around the Burger Kings to then identify, hey, this device was at this location via GPS data, we're gonna serve that device um, ads. And those ads that, that we serve and get into are display ads, um, OTTC TV, which a good example of that are like commercials on Hulu and, um, and Sling TV. Uh, video pre-roll, which is a good example of that is if you go to a local news site and you want to watch um, a, a, you know, the local sports highlights or something like that, it's a commercial that runs before the video, digital audio ads and native ads as well too with that. Um, and then the other layer that, that, that we utilize is it's not just the devices which are primarily cell phones that we capture at these locations, it's also other devices that are connected to that device. So it could be that the cell phone was what we originally captured, but that cell phone is connected to a smart TV or tablet or computer or another mobile device.
0: That That's really powerful and it, uh, you know, for some that might be listening, they're going to go, okay, here we go again, Big Brother's getting smarter and deeper and bigger yeah. into our lives. Um, and it, However, it does help explain that mystery, and I see this among my friends, of course, albeit, you know, I'm in the older so-called boomer generation, and I've got colleagues that are still mystified by technology, and I'm happy to say I don't think I'm one of those. i am been an early adopter my whole life, so I, I feel pretty savvy on the technology, but... Nonetheless, you know, people say, well, why is my phone sending me these messages about, you know, the tires I just bought and, um, or the, or the burger I just ate, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you, you've described that, that that's the method, that's the tool for people to, advertisers anyway, to figure that out and, and, and monitor that traffic.
1: Well, it's actually one one of the tools, right? So my agency, Ethic Advertising, specializes in multiple layers of hyper-targeted digital. Um, the reason why we're focusing a lot on geofencing is because it's one area that we've become experts in and we've built technology around, but really that that kind of mentality of my phones listening to me and and everything um, is often a result of different targeting tactics, not just GPS-based geofencing, but also um, taking into account your search history, your keywords that you're reading about and searching for, uh, just general third-party data that we can kind of uh, compile and pump into the system, uh, as well as first-party data. There is such a Layer of different targeting options on top of different kinds of mediums that we can reach people with that are out there. Um, we actually kind of refer to it as the uh, spider web effect. So if you think of the intertwining laces of a spider web, so each thread, you can think of it as a specific targeting tactic and um, a medium. And especially big advertisers, they get all of these different um, uh, threads across the spider web that creates a bigger and stronger net that allows um, them to uh, capture their audience, which is, I always like to say, really hard to miss if you do it properly, but also really hard to get out of as well too. So you keep on seeing those ads whenever it's on your radar. Um, The other thing I like to mention too is just human psychology. I want people to think about if they pass the same place a thousand times on their commute and everything and never realize it was there until I need that service or something uh, as, as well too. We work with a, monument like a headstone and and uh mausoleum company and they hear that all the time they they get passed on the road all the time at their different locations and everything but nobody knows they're there until they themselves are thinking of of what they're going to do um after death or they have a death in the family and everything and they're like oh it's it's right there rome monument that's cool
0: yeah and and flipping it from the perspective of the business owner, let, let's take for instance. I I do a lot of work with small businesses in the home services space. So plumbers, electricians, HVAC, roofers, that sort of thing. Obviously, those guys have a a, a geographic area that they can service. Um, if, if the guys in Dallas, Texas. He's probably not going to want to spend ad money down in Houston or Oklahoma City or anywhere like that because he's just oh, yeah. not going to send his trucks there. You know, there's no point. Yeah. Um, but even then, when you when you've already got a kind of a definition, a definitionally defined. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you got a space identified that you want to service. Even then, you don't necessarily need to get the message to everybody. You, you don't have to send every teenager with a smart device an ad for your service because they're not going to be the decision maker buying your service. So, so how do you peel those layers and, and get into the targeting that's best for that?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of different things with that. And we've actually done quite a bit of work for those kind of industries as as well, too. So um, if we're going to use Dallas um, area of that um, uh, as an example, um, from a ge- geographic standpoint digitally, it's not just breaching all of Dallas because if my service area only includes Richardson and, and Plano and like North Dallas and everything, probably don't want to go out to Arlington, right? So you want to have more of that geographic kind of footprint and different advertising mediums both in the traditional landscape of like TV, radio, out of home and print as well as the digital landscapes as well too, have different ways to do that geographically. Now in the digital space, we do have um more data points to identify things like homeowners things like um income levels uh you know if they have kids at home the age of their furnace or hvac or the age of their home as well too is it single family or is it um multi-family those kind of things so there's multiple data points that can get layered on um since i know a big topic is geofencing for this uh one thing that we can do is um There's actually two different kinds of forms. There's one where we can be like, hey, we wanna do recruitment for HVAC companies. So we're gonna go and geofence the suppliers. We know exactly where they are. We're gonna hand draw those supplier entrances um, uh, uh, where they go and pick up some of their their products, right? The other thing that we can do is we can say, hey, I wanna get more customers for my HVAC company. I know that I'm gonna be in this territory and everything, but I really only wanna have houses that are a certain age and and have a certain income level. We can actually use what we call address curation through addressable geofencing to take a designated area, um, could be zip codes, uh, city, uh, state, whatever it might be, and actually put in there that we want um, single family homes that are owned by homeowners that have a certain income in there. And I'll take all the homes that are in there and then start narrowing it down based off of census data and known information about the household itself. And then you're left with a list of a certain amount of properties. And then um, we can take that list and automatically geofence those property lines. uh, So we can actually use um, data on the households to curate a custom residential list to then geofence in those areas. Another really good tactic um, that can be utilized, um, especially through a platform like we have with our QGM with platform, is if I'm a service technician that knows that I'm gonna be on site in a neighborhood for a week because I get, got a big project, A great resource is um is what is bandit signs right you put them out there you have your truck parked out there you maybe do door hangers or whatever it might be um but then you can also uh log on to like our qgm system and geofence just that neighborhood just for that week leading up to it that week that you're there and then maybe a couple weeks after to also reach those individuals um digitally as well too to add an extra layer of trying to get conversions because in HVAC and all kind of tech and home improvement things, it'd be really nice to get jobs all on the same street for logistical reasons.
0: So if I'm hearing you right, if if I'm a neighbor in that neighborhood and, and two streets over my neighbor is having their air conditioning system totally overhauled by ACME HVAC, ACME can turn on the program and try to identify me in this geofence area And what does that mean that I'm going to start seeing social posts on various threads that I may be activating?
1: Yeah, so uh, social is actually what we call a walled garden in our industry. So we actually can't layer our geofencing technology into like Facebook or Instagram. Um, The best targeting that you can do geographically is about a one mile radius. Uh, for Facebook, for example. Um, but what it, it can do is we can do like maybe banner ads. So if they go on weather, their weather app or a game app, or if they go onto a local news site or a national news site, wherever it might be, it's those boxy ads that are on there um, or digital video ads um, across thousands of different mediums as well too or digital audio ads as well too. So on like a Pandora or blog talk radio or something like that as well. So um, uh, some of those things that you can do, but you can actually um, select the different kinds of advertising that you want to do. But then yeah, if you draw a fence around that neighborhood, when people enter that, then it's basically like taking their device ID. We don't get any information about them. So we have a privacy barrier of that. It's just the device ID that basically goes into a basket that allows us to say, Hey, when that device is experiencing a medium uh, on their phone or on a connected device, then we can actually serve ads if there's ad space there and bid on that inventory so our HBA, HV- our Acme HVAC client can actually be seen by that individual as well, too.
0: And I guess in terms of sales psychology, then what happens if I'm that neighbor and I've I've just done my news feed, I've checked the weather. And I've, I've looked at a sports app update. I maybe have gotten three banners for Acme while I'm looking. Now mm-hmm. I get in my car and I leave the neighborhood and I see the Acme truck sitting there and I go, oh, those guys are everywhere. Gee, that's cool. Yeah. You know, maybe I should yeah. call them. <laughs>
1: And then, and you didn't spend that much money as a business owner, right? I mean, it's to be able to do that like 15 years ago and everything, you were buying radio ads, out of home ads, you had the trucks, you did all these other things as well too. So to do a neighborhood, you're talking about, I mean, you know, something, something like that, you're talking about hundred bucks a week or something like that and, and everything. And then what you're explaining is we, we refer to that um, in our industry as integrated marketing communication. There's actually a psychological effect when I experience an a advertiser's message in one form and then see it in another as well too. That actually strengthens that brand identity and that recall and that likelihood hood for them to actually take action upon it compared to seeing that truck just Multiple times and everything. So having those different mediums is actually a powerful psychological tool to get a better reaction. Which in this case would be, hey, can you come and and check our our air conditioner?
0: So not not to put you on the spot, but I I know business owners who might be listening to this may say, well, this all sounds great. What does it really cost me? So if I'm the owner of Acme HVAC and I want to activate a campaign. for the neighborhood I'm in, can you give us a sense of what the layers of of cost would be for that?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of options out there. So there's multiple different vendors that do provide um, geofence advertising, right? The, um, the reality of it is is that they all do things a little bit differently. Our agency, for example, is what is what we call a managed service. We do all the work for you, we consult with you, we figure out what the budget is and, and, and everything. We run the campaigns for you. We have full access to our entire system. and that's a pretty common common practice. Uh, and everything, and we have a minimum to do so, as well too, a couple grand uh, a month in order for us to do that, because we have a lot of people that we have overhead to, to to do that on. Then you have everything over on the other side, which is uh, more like the software-based side that usually has even higher minimums of like 10 or $20,000 a month for you to get access to the software But those all include other targeting parameters, other things as well too. I have a person on staff that that's all that he does is work in these called DSPs, demand side platforms as well. There wasn't really anything in the middle of that um, too much. There's variations and everything, um, but that's why we created Qjam and and everything, um, which is a software that's built on the same technology as DSP. So we didn't recreate the technology, but we made it accessible to anybody so you can actually spend a dollar a day if you wanted to. There's no minimum. You can spend whatever budget you have and it'll actually tell you, this is about how many times your ad is gonna be seen otherwise referred to as impressions as well. So there is now finally an option that you can spend whatever budget you want. That said, an advertising campaign that is going to do, like, let's just say... AT&T Stadium where the, where the Cowboys play, right? Uh, and everything. If I'm going to geofence that versus a local hardware shop and everything, a lot more foot traffic AT&T, you should spend a lot more money and have a bigger budget for that to reach enough of those people. So the budget should be really dictated based off of the estimated amount of foot traffic to the geofences that you have, um, which can vary by the number of geofences, but more importantly, the types of geofences you have because one location might get 10 people a day into it, another location could get 40,000 people a day into it as well too. Um, but now, I mean, honestly, you know, because of some of the efforts that we've done over the last year and a half, you can spend probably a couple bucks uh, and everything to try to run a little campaign and get a little bit of exposure all the way up to there are companies that are spending tens and 20, uh, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars on this technology. But those are the companies that are, are really doing it in multiple markets across the country
0: so i guess if i can come at this from a slightly different angle and that is like again let's say i'm that hvac company owner and i've decided all things considered i'm willing to spend about 2000 a month on my digital marketing whatever that may be is, is there and again if we if we define it very locally and try to get pretty specific about anticipated traffic patterns that we think we can talk to, is is there a way to estimate what that 2000 could really get me?
1: Yeah, Um, so we do that uh, with our manager service. We tell people what that is, and then the QJAM system will actually estimate um, what the results would be. But if you spent all of that, let's say on um, banner ads alone, your ad's gonna be seen over 222,000 times uh, and everything. So, and that and banner ads are the the least expensive. OTT ads for the same 2000, which are more like premium video, like people are actually watching their favorite show or news or something like that. You might end up with maybe a little over 33,000, 34,000 impressions, or that's how many times your ad was served and seen uh, and everything. So, there is a variation between the different mediums. Um, but like a video ad is going to be a lot more impactful, and then a display ad. So running more display ads is, is actually necessary to get some of the same kind of results. The reality of it is, is with this form of advertising, whether you use geofencing or anything else, um, these kind of what, we, what I call push advertising, pushing the message onto you whether you are looking for it or not, right? is going to be something that helps with brand awareness. It's going to be something that should increase your um, your Google traffic as well, too. We tend to find an increase in organic search traffic so people see the ad and then they go to Google and search for you as well. Um, but there's also uh, analytics of trackability uh, that we can do as well, too. One of the cool things with geofencing is if you have a physical location, so not applicable for the HVAC client, but if I'm a hardware store, let's say, and I'm using geofencing, the same technology that lets me to target people that have been to a specific location can also tell me if those people that saw the ad came into my location. So brick-and-mortar uh, uh, locations actually have a great uh trackability of conversion uh data that's provided to actually say hey they saw the ad and they came into your location that's a
0: pretty strong conversion yeah it's really powerful stuff i i'm i'm reminded of the old joke you know the ceo was asked about his marketing budget and he said well i think i'm wasting half the money i just don't know which half and
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah, I, I actually have friends uh, that named their their company after that. It's called Fifty Marketing, and they oh. actually they named their company because of that exact
0: story and that's everything. Funny. I didn't know that. that. That's good. Yeah, and there, there's there's I actually
1: want to talk a little bit about that because there is still validity, even with all the digital tracking that we have, even with all of those components as well too. There is still element that you cannot pinpoint everything, and a reality that. Any advertising that you do, as long as you're doing more than one thing, it's all working together. And advertising is my area of expertise, but any of your thought leadership, your public relations efforts, your sales efforts, and your, your in-house marketing efforts, all of these lead generation generating components work in harmony together. So it's really kind of like um, making a cake and everything. So, you know, it's hard, as long as the cake turns out really, really good, that's a good thing and everything, but then figuring out how to tweak the different um, ingredients and measurements of those things to make it even better next time. But if you just have eggs and milk, that is not going to make a cake, it's not, it's just not going to work for you. So There's an element of the holistic mindset that I think really needs to be considered when analyzing those things and as well as analyzing it on an individual level of what each ingredient is doing because rotten eggs can ruin any meal.
0: Yeah. Very good point, and I, I think that's fair. And it, it is indicative of, of, I think, the challenge that a small business faces of, of trying to create their strategy, create their resources that are gonna go out and try to optimize that. And um, uh, so for everything we've said so far about the digital capture tracking and and presentation, where does, and I, I'm just thinking of the irony and what I'm getting ready to say, and I'll say it and you'll, you'll understand why I think it's ironic, the good old-fashioned Google ads, Facebook ads, and maybe even LinkedIn ads or Instagram ads, you know, you know, where do those, you know, fit nowadays compared to some of this other digital technology that's available yeah.
1: So those are um, everything that you mentioned is really low points of entry. Anybody can go on there and do it. And some of these more advanced technologies, you do need assistance oftentimes when you're getting started to say, hey, who do I trust to help me out with these things as well, too? Um, but if if you're a small business, one of the things that's really beneficial is to sit down and, and figure out what's at, what is all available to me and then what's the right mix for me to kind of leverage and utilize. Um, we run fit social media ads. We do pay-per-click ads as well. Too, we leverage all of those things as as well. And oftentimes we hold especially pay-per-click in higher regards, because that is what we call lower hanging fruit. Those are people that are searching for your services. So if you capture them, much more likely to get them to convert than anything that we're pushing our message onto. So there's value in every single media amount that's out there, but you have to think about what works well for for me as a company, as well as an industry, different advertising tactics, uh, uh, different levels of uh, effectiveness across different industries as well too. So it's really, you know, these other forms of advertising more of a programmatic space can can often be a good support to everything else. But one of the things that I really like to stress, um, and I bring this up in almost every um, guest lecture that I, I do for universities is, is and anybody watching this, Google the marketing funnel and and you know, you'll get a picture of it. It'll have awareness, which is what we're talking about with advertising, filling the funnel. And it goes all the way down to like the referrals and the sales process and everything. So one of the things I say is if you're going to figure out, well, what order does everything go in? Lump into there. Well, how's my sales process? What's the bottom of the funnel? Do I have any holes that are in there? And then start working your way back upwards because advertising only gets you at bats it's never going to be the thing that uh, actually hits the ball right that's going to be your sales efforts that's going to be your website that's going to be your storefront or whatever it is as well too advertising is just getting the people there so you're getting up to bat and then whether you make contact is stuff that's deeper in the funnel And the reality of it is, is that you're going to be very unhappy with advertising if you don't get any hits, if you don't get any sales, right? And everything. So it's good to analyze that whole funnel when you're trying to figure out for a small business, especially because a lot of small businesses aren't thinking in that manner, where it's more like, I just need leads and then I'll figure it out. It's a connected funnel to each other. And how does that all kind of layer in there as well too? And there's no one size fits fits all. Um, Unfortunately, uh, but fortunately for, for someone like me and, and my company who helps kind of weed through those uh, those components.
0: You know, I'm, I'm reminded uh, relative to what you just said, it, it's one thing to attract eyeballs to your website or your landing page, but the... A big challenge is what exactly happens after that. And what I'm reminded of, there was an agency that I talked to a year or so ago. They had a client, happened to be, again, somewhat in the home services space, but they were a a water disaster recovery com- company. You know, they they helped you clean up after a water event in your house. Well... I lived down in the Houston area, and in 2017, we had the infamous Hurricane Harvey that dumped 52 inches of water. There were about five feet of water in most areas for a long period of time. Five feet can flood a house. (laughs) So that was top of mind for a lot of people, and this agency, this firm, uh, company is, is in the Houston area, and they kind of got known as the hurricane company well we don't get hurricanes all the time so the logic goes well if there's no hurricane i don't need you you know what are you doing but the reality is there's a much higher incident rate of somebody's water heater blowing up and flooding the house than there is a hurricane and <clears throat> or a toilet backing up and and busting a pipe and flooding a portion of that, or a washing machine or sink, or, you know, there's a lot of ways that you get water in your house. So this agency helped the company change the message that was on their website, and it was all about the website message, nothing else. And their uh, incidents of, of lead gen and, and people actually making the warm, inquiries saying, you know, I had a pipe burst, I need you now. And well, that's the kind of client they're looking for. And and their sales volume just exponentially in, increased quickly yeah. because yeah. of that story. And they're the same company. They, they weren't doing anything different as a company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's brand identity. It's just being, being seen as one thing in the public's eye that allows them to apply value to you and everything. So I love that story. I mean, and there's there's thousands of stories that are just like that, and oftentimes it's sometimes little little tweaks, and doesn't even have to be something as um, prevalent as like the branding side of things and stuff. Um, we've had issues where. Um, uh in in years past where we uh we knew that we had a a, um a a home improvement uh customer that were like we know that you're not answering the phones half of the time and when it does get answered by like an answering service it's it's not the best kind of quality and everything and we told them because they said we need to spend some more advertising money because we need more leads and i said we listened to the last 90 days of phone calls Please take that money and invest it into having somebody answer the phone, and we'll also optimize what we have going on. Those two things increase their revenue or increase their sales um, 30% and uh, everything. And sometimes it's just small things as well, too, especially in the home improvement categories.
0: Right, right. <clears throat> Well, Jeff, goodness, I know there's probably a whole lot more to this, but I think we're about up on time for today. Thank you so much for sitting in and uh, uh, sharing all this with us. If folks are interested in learning more about your services and the rest of your story, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. So um, we have uh, the agency side, which uh, the website is ethic-ads.com, adscom ads.com, uh, scom And then the uh, software that we created for the geofencing for self-serve is called Qjam, uh, named after my Son and daughter, uh, Jameson and Quinn, mesh together. But it's QUJAM dot com, uh, and then you can also find me on LinkedIn as well too. I'd be happy to connect with anybody and 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 chat with them a little a little bit as well too. I get energized by these types of conversations and helping people out.
0: Well, that's uh, that's great, and as always, folks, we'll have those links and information in the show notes. So. Hop over there, check it out, and uh, uh, give Jeff a call if you're if you're in the market or or wanting to make a change to optimize what you're doing with your own effort to get your story out there. I'd like to remind everybody, if you're listening on your favorite streaming service, we've got this uh, a video version of this over on YouTube channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, take a look and give us a like, give us a comment. I'm, I'm more interested about the comments. If if you like us, that's great. I I appreciate that. But... Uh, More importantly, share your comments and thoughts about uh, what else I can help serve you with uh, in in terms of guests and content. We're happy to make those adjustments and get it out to you. So with that, I'm going to say goodbye and go out there and make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, Visit DougThorpe.com.